and welcome to another episode of the Religion Prof Podcast. I'm really delighted to have a special guest here today, uh, Shana Watson, who is the organizer of Theocon, which, as far as I know, is maybe the first theology convention of its sort. Uh, as somebody who attends theology-related and religious studies and biblical studies conferences and goes to things like Gen Con and uh, fandom and gaming and uh, those kinds of con uh, conventions, I'm used to conference and theology and fandom and convention going together. And when I saw that these things were converging into uh, one event, wow, I got excited. And so I'm really happy to have uh, Shane as a guest uh, on the podcast today and have a chance to uh, not just chat more with her about this event uh, that's coming up later this month, but also to uh, introduce you to her and the event and uh, why not just the event itself, but the subject, the theme of the event uh, probably already interests you uh, if you are listening to this podcast because you may share some of this, the interests that I have, but if it doesn't, it should. So welcome, Shana. It's great talking to you today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So why don't I, you know, even though we've, uh, I know we've, you and I have spoken about this before, but for the benefit of others, uh, why don't I ask you, you know, how did you end up pursuing this project? First of all, why don't I get you to say a little bit about um, Theocon and uh, where it's happening, what's happening uh, make sure that we don't miss out on those events, right? As we start geeking out together, we're liable to leave out important details later and forget. That. You know, we never actually told them where it is or when it is. So let me make sure that that's um, front-ended. Uh, but hopefully people will also stay and continue listening beyond that um, to hear more uh, because I'd, I'd love for you to share a bit about just how the vision for this came about and uh, how it reflects your own interests and uh, interests that other people are increasingly bringing together that I feel previously, oftentimes, we kept compartmentalized in our lives. Well, thank you very much for such a wonderful introduction. And um, Theocon, just to share a little bit about it, Theocon is, for one, it's spelled, um, instead of using a TH, I use a theta. So in case you see that um, online or if you visit our website, I just want to be clear about the pronunciation. Um, so Theocon is a one-day convention um, in which participants will be introduced and invited to explore themes of theology and morality and pop culture. And some of the mediums um, that we're going to be using, but it's not limited to, of course, are comic books, graphic novels, science fiction films, gaming, um, of course, and, and all sorts of other media. Um, and some of the methods of exploration will include having the guest speakers, the panel discussions, um, some vendors, and um, of course, cosplay. What is a comic book style convention without its cosplay? It is a smaller con. It's not like some of the more vast cons that some people might have experienced. I mean, our capacity is about for 300, but the smaller, more intimate space allows um, vendors especially to be able to really have that um, intimate interaction with some of the consumers and they get to really talk about some of their products and we really get to engage with our speakers and with one another on some of the topics of the intersectionality of faith and fiction. Um, so where did this come from? 
let's see. Oh, and it's scheduled for um, yeah. Saturday, September 29th. It's a one-day um, con. It's from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's going to be at the Virginia Theological Seminary at Alexandria, um, in Alexandria, Virginia. So please feel free to register. Tickets are still, still on sale. And also we want to encourage um, communities of faith or individuals um, who exhibit any type of need that um, if they want to come but are not able to purchase a ticket, to please reach out to us. They can um, contact us directly at info at theocon.live. So that's info at theocon, that's T-H-E-O-C-O-N dot live, L-I-V-E, if they need help making accommodations to attend. Um, yeah, and let me make sure that people um, hear that web address because the end of that email is also where they can go for more information, right? www.theocon, T-H-E-O-C-O-N dot live, L-I-V-E, uh, for more information about this upcoming event. Thank you, yes. Well said, thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, I don't want anyone to miss this because they, uh, they, they found the other Theocons online that are uh, sometimes uh, better represented, but hopefully <laughs> this will uh, be at the top of the, the ranking soon as it uh, gains momentum. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Um, so back in, I would say, a few years ago, um, some, some other colleagues of mine and I, we have presented at one of the cons, I believe it was New York Comic Con, and um, it was called From Blackface to Black Panther, the evolution of how people of color were depicted in graphic novels, um, art and entertainment from the 1830s to the present. And during that time, Black Panther was anticipated to be released, um, the movie Black Panther was anticipated to be released in 2016. Um, it came from my community activism. I wanted to do something different. We were so used to having um, lectures and, and banquets and different public speaking forms um, in that way. But what I wanted to do was try a different medium to try to, to engage our audiences. Um, long story short, went to New York Comic Con and just was blown away. I was so impressed. It was like heaven on earth. People all hues, all races, all cultures, all religions, um, shapes, sizes, abilities, you name it, everyone was in the building and everyone, most, excuse me, not everyone, most people were, were dressed up in their costumes or doing some form of cosplay. And it was just magnificent. It was just such a wonderful day. Everyone was very friendly. Um, the hospitality was just very warm. And I just knew, I'm like, oh my goodness, if I ever had an event like this, I would want it to be akin to my experience there. Um, so as a seminarian, I was just walking along one day and after having conversations about like Star Wars and Harry Potter, it just came to me. I'm like, oh my goodness, Theocon. And they were just like, what? My friends were looking at me like, what is this? Um, so the desired outcome for Theocon is to model for communities of faith in particular and other social entities on how to use pop culture venues um, to assist individuals in finding spiritual and moral meaning outside of traditional religious institutions um, by using non-traditional resources, such as speculative fiction, um, exploration through sci-fi films. Um, I just really feel as though um, it's kind of like art reflecting life and life reflecting art, that whole quote. 
And um, so, yeah, so really excited about this. And I mean, you and I, we had discussed some of these themes that came up uh, with Star Wars and Darth Vader, can the villain be redeemed or how we identify with certain characters because we see a character go through some form of victimization, but then they come out as the victor. And I read an article recently about how Superman saved someone's life, literally, um, as they began reading some of the comics, they saw that he experienced very much human suffering. And um, this gentleman was experiencing a form of suffering and depression in his own personal life. But then he saw how Superman persevered and it gave him hope. It inspired him. So that's, that's kind of the sentiment of this event. Wow. Thank you. Uh, that's that's a, a fantastic introduction uh, to the event and the, the vision behind it. Uh, people who've seen, uh, let's say, the, the documentary about Star Trek, uh, Trekkies, um, I think is the one. Uh, there's, there's a point at which uh, the actor who plays Scotty is talking about somebody who clearly was going through a severe bout of depression mm-hmm. and came to a convention and he formed a connection with this person and through that ongoing connection at conventions uh, managed to you know, see some serious recovery and be of help. Excellent. And there are lots of ways in which you know, people find community, people find uh, inspiration, uh, sometimes guidance, uh, mm-hmm. moral and uh, practical and a variety of sorts in the fiction that they read, the films that they watch, uh, sometimes deliberately, consciously doing this, sometimes just having it seep in. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure that there are people uh, who are uh, people who are uh, not religious or wouldn't consider themselves religious, maybe wouldn't even consider themselves spiritual, uh, who th- would be happy for fandom to take the place of religion. And <laughs> there are people on the religion side, uh, the traditional institutional religion side, who are probably afraid that fandom is going to take the place of uh, religion. Uh, what's the potential for finding a place where they actually overlap intersect and do something creative together rather than it being a choice that you have to make between one or the other. That is a really um, great point. And thank you so much for um, expressing that so eloquently. And that is part of one of the issues that, that we wanted to address. We wanted to have a more inclusive environment of all people from all um, religious and theological backgrounds. Um, in particular, there was a study between churchleaders.com and it might have been Pew Research, if I'm not mistaken, or the Barna Group representatives. They had argued that people are still seeking God. However, they're not necessarily going to traditional religious institutions. Um, people are now going to coffee shops or having fellowship in their homes Um, while some just have, you know, they attend these types of conferences. And I think it's important to pay attention to that, that while people are still seeking meaning, um, that they're going to these other spaces and these other outlets, which is important, which is part of the reason why we had both theology and morality um, to be more inclusive for those who do believe in God or identify as people who believe in God 
and ranging all the way to those who might not necessarily believe in God, but believe in the moral compass of humanity. Um, so the focus will offer an opportunity for those who no longer necessarily connect with the traditional ways of finding those um, meaningful conversations. And for those who aren't attracted to religious institutions, who just simply are outdone with church or they no longer attend their mosque or they're not necessarily a, a, a practicing um, Jewish person, but just to offer a space to continue to have some type of outlet for that um, moral and spiritual exploration is definitely important to us. So you'll notice in a lot of our topics, they'll include um, a vast array of, of those conversations. Yeah, thank you for, uh, in particular, highlighting the uh, concern for inclusivity and mentioning explicitly theological inclusivity, right? There are certainly uh, religious bodies that are eager to, I mean, there are some that are not, but there are some that are eager to include uh, people sort of of all uh, shades of uh, skin color and uh, equality of genders, but may not find it as easy to embrace people whose theological views are different from themselves. Right. Um, what's interesting uh, to me as somebody who looks at uh, religion and science fiction and the intersection between the two is that the the penchant for uh, forming an identity that's exclusive rather than inclusive is something mm -hmm. that we see both in the realm of religion and in the realm of fandom, right? People mm -hmm. who are like, you know, I love Star Trek. I hate Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I hate Star Trek. Those kinds of things. <laughs> and people like me who are like, why not both? Uh, sometimes are equally hated by <laughs> uh, both sets of fans. But it's, it's a very different approach to fandom, right? The one that says this thing is, is beautiful, more beautiful than anything else. And the one that says this thing is beautiful and I can appreciate it without failing to appreciate uh, other traditions, other other sci-fi faiths, as, it, as if you will, right? And I think there's there's something similar that happens on the religion end, where one can be, uh, you know, anti-religious or devoutly religious in ways that is very antagonistic, but you can also be either or a little bit of both, uh, maybe, and yet recognize that your own tradition as well as your own individual spiritual exploration and life is enriched through interaction with others, uh, sometimes disagreeing, but recognizing that this played a helpful role in helping you define your own thinking more clearly, sometimes through learning from the other in ways that you didn't expect and saying, hey, they, they're emphasizing something that I don't have or wasn't before, and I've learned something through this encounter. And so I really, I'm just so appreciative of the different, um, uh, you know, the different speakers you have lined up and the different themes that are going to be covered and how uh, a concern with uh, inclusivity, both theologically and pop culturally, uh, is, is woven into the very ethos of this event. Yes, thank you so much. Um, and just to further build on your point, I mean, some of the titles of the panels that one can look forward to would be um, cartooning as spiritual practice, um, power of story, enemy of trauma, where they will talk about um, how, how their own published books, um, their own um, published graphic novels 
um, how their own personal life's ex life story influence the writing of it and how to empower others, especially those who might be experiencing writer's block and things of that nature. It really gives more of a intimate inside look at, um, at comic books and graphic novels and the power of storytelling. So it really goes in a little bit deeper um, and it doesn't really focus as much on theological discourse as much as it talks about how one is theologically informed and how their faith informs their writing or their art. Yeah, thank you. So I noticed that, I mean, there is um, an old friend of mine. Uh, we were both uh, students uh, studying New Testament uh, for our doctoral dissertations uh, mm -hmm. at Durham University. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Chuck Robertson, who's the uh, canon to the presiding bishop of the uh, Episcopal Church USA. Uh, but you also have uh, the Reverend Dr. Judy Fentress Williams, uh, who uh, is an Old Testament scholar. And I'm always struck by the extent to which people who do biblical studies <laughs> are also fans of science fiction, of popular culture in these ways. And I know. I've, I've tried answering the question for myself, although, I mean, the truth is that these are just two things that have been important to me for as long as I can remember in at least certain ways. But do you have a sense of why it is that maybe more so in our time than ever before, these things are converging and we're seeing people who might have been fans, but they wouldn't connect, they wouldn't talk about that if they were a, a New Testament scholar or they are uh, people who work in cinema or in the production of graphic novels, uh, storytellers, but they wouldn't talk about theology. They'd keep that sort of personal. Any sense of why the two seem to be coming together more publicly, both in terms of public interest, but also in terms of people expressing these varied facets of their, their selves? That is a really great question. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that, especially... I mean, just now thinking about it, both both parties they work in they work in story, um, Old Testament, New Testament professors. I mean, they're they're handling, they're researching, they're analyzing narratives. Um, whereas, what I'm hearing you say for the for the other um, group who are doing comic book illustrations, are writing those storylines, they're actually drafting stories and doing the visual pieces to them. And I really don't know. Um, mm. I'm, I'm curious about what maybe some of your insights might, might be to that. I'll, I'll have to think about that some. Yeah. Um, I should have seen this coming, <laughs> that this question was going to be turned back on me. Um, yeah. In my own case, I mean, I think that some of it is, you know, the, and this, this would be controversial probably if you know, this were a, a more conservative type of uh, venue, but the fact that both, you know, both religion and science fiction, both uh, biblical studies and fandom uh, intersect with imagined worlds, right? Which doesn't mean that everything that we encounter in the Bible is imaginary and fictional. Uh, there's a whole range of genres in there, uh, but fiction is certainly one of them and historical fiction and, um, history that is uh, closer to the ancient genre than a modern one, but also parables and stories that are supposed to be illustrative of some deeper truth or pointer to something transcendent. 
Um, but I think for me, the thing that started to get me excited, you know, there were a number of them. One is that there's an alienness to the Bible when you start to study it in a scholarly way and bring mm-hmm. in things like historical criticism, historical background, cultural context. And one of the things that science fiction in particular does, but so does fantasy and so do a number of comic books, is to challenge you to imagine a different world. Mm-hmm. And obviously the parables of Jesus are trying to do that within their own context. But in order to effectively interpret the Bible, we need to have the ability to imagine ourselves into a time, a place, a culture, a mm-hmm. setting that is very different from ourselves. Otherwise, we're liable to distort the story as we look at it through the lens of our own culture, our own assumptions, which we can never fully set aside, but mm-hmm. that imaginative exercise, that attempt to understand something that is, in a sense, alien, I think can, um, I've found to be a point of contact between my work in biblical studies and uh, the reading and you know, thinking about science fiction in particular. Uh, but I've also gotten into uh, relatively recently writing uh, science fiction. And I think there is another point at which there's an intersection. It's one that I've already hinted at. And I actually talked about this in my class on religion and science fiction uh, the mm-hmm. last time I taught it in a way that I hadn't before, which was, is science fiction prophecy? And mm-hmm. is prophecy science fiction, right? Mm, that's good. And one of the things that we are often told if we do a, you know, if we do studies in an academic setting of the, you know, of the Bible and read the prophets is that, you know, prophecy is not about predicting the future. Sometimes it talks about the future, but its main point, whether talking about the future or the present, is to warn about a potential future in a way that makes pointed social commentary about the present. Mm-hmm. And sci-fi, at its best, sometimes does the same thing. And what's interesting is, you know, it, the same kind of question can come up for both, right? If you're focused mm-hmm. on prediction, then you start looking at, you know, Amos or Second Isaiah or some part of it, and it's like, okay, but what did they get wrong? And what's the, you know, what's, you know, how does this match up or not match up with things? And these are people who are challenging injustice in mm-hmm. their time or are trying to give a vision for people to uh, embrace, you know, hope for the future at a time of, you know, deep despair or whatever it is that's going on then. And I found that actually really helpful as I was thinking about the experience of reading older science fiction, hmm, okay. in which it was predicting the future and it got things badly wrong, you know, <laughs> um, wasn't nearly optimistic enough in some respects. In others, it was expecting the world to have changed more dramatically than it actually has. And that can really be a, a hurdle to appreciating, you know, some science fiction, you know, from, let's say, the you know, the 1950s or something like that, right? Uh, Sometimes even looking at, you know, classic Star Trek, you know, the original series and saying, yeah, the technology looks antiquated now, right? Rather than futuristic, (laughs) if you watch it now. Uh, If that's the point, if the point is to predict the future, then maybe that's a legitimate criticism. But if we miss the 
the social commentary, if we miss the message for its time, if we miss the vision that's trying to give and how that vision offered in that time through the means of talking about the future had an impact and has actually shaped our lives, then we've missed what is arguably the heart and soul of Star Trek. And in the same, I think there are some ways that things like prophecy in the Bible and science fiction can actually help us gain an appreciation at the very least, even of older works in both genres. So. That is awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> that is so good. Oh my goodness. We so should have had a, a panel on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. When, I'm not sure at what point you're going to start planning for uh, next year's Theocon, but uh, I definitely uh, am eager yeah. to... Uh, to, well, I, I'm full of suggestions and things that uh, I think we could uh, talk about and geek out about. Absolutely. Um, You're the first on my list. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to keep you too long um, on our uh, show today, but there's certainly some, so many interesting things you know, on the website. Um, I mean, I love the story that you tell about um, you know, when uh, the website introduces you as the founder and that uh, little anecdote you tell. Um, uh, from your family? Oh, but, yeah, from uh, my little brother. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I wonder if maybe as a, a, a last, you know, sort of last point, uh, could you just say a little bit about that story and where, you know, even I think, you know, because it, it, it made me think of certain memes and other things I've seen where uh, religion and science fiction come together. Um, and certainly the visual aspect of so much of science fiction, you know, not not novels and short stories for the most part, but between cinema, graphic novels, you know, the visual is an interesting component. And there have been sci-fi and uh, superhero icons that people have made and felt it was worth putting effort into, you know, making a, an icon, a, a religious style icon of Superman or the Doctor or something like that. Um, so the, the visual aspect of that story that you shared I thought was particularly striking but I think it's also a great story and so <laughs> to try to lure people on to poke around on the website and find out more about the event but also the people behind it including yourself uh, could you just say a little bit more about that story sure sure um I can just yeah I have it memorized <laughs> um, <laughs> it was so cute he's 14 now um when my brother was was four years old he had a dream um and this was when the, the second trilogy of Star Wars had come out. Um, so he was kind of really into that because I was. He kind of watched everything I did. Um, so in this dream, I, I had asked him um, what his dream was about. And, and he shared a little bit about what he dreamt. And he said that he dreamt about God. And I had asked him, well, what did God sound like? What did God look like? And he responded, he said, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> so Obi-Wan Kenobi for him and his four-year-old mind was symbolic of God, um, was symbolic of a noble, honorable source in, in his dream. Because when he heard the voice, when he saw the image, it was very comforting to him. Because I don't quite remember the details, all the details of the dream, but I remember him saying that, you know, he had been running and then, but then he heard the voice of God. Um, so it just kind of showed me and highlighted for me that even among our children, which I believe is an audience that sometimes might be overlooked, mm -hmm. um, 
especially in terms of finding meaning in these types of spaces. And I know that there has been a great movement and development around Christian education, especially for youth and families. So I'm just convinced that sometimes we just, um, we don't, we underutilize science fiction in our language when we are, when we are doing church, when we are talking about faith, when we are talking about fiction, we undermine faith in, in fiction as well. Um, so yeah, so the language of Star Wars, talking about Princess Leia, or using these as some of our examples, maybe even while preaching. I had a, real, a really good friend recently who talked about Thanos from um, the Infinity War movie, movie and used that as an example in one of her sermons, which, and it was very well done. Um, so yeah, um, highlighting these pieces where we could talk about X-Men and how they explore themes of oppression um, to structure a Youth Sunday curriculum for mm. utilizing the Christology and Superman. Um, pretty much everything from creation to revelation can be found in these media. And I'm just so privileged. I feel like there are times when I sit at the feet of our children just to hear their stories mm. and to be inspired. Um, so yeah, so that was that was the dream for my little brother who, when he was four, but now he's 14. He doesn't remember it now, but I yeah. remind him. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, that's, I think, a story that, and you know, the thoughts that you shared, uh, along with the the story itself of what happened, his dream, and uh, what was in it, uh, does speak to the fact that, you know, on the one hand, religion has influenced and continues to influence popular culture. Right? Mm -hmm. um, Superman would probably not have taken the shape that Superman did without. Uh, the influence of you know Judaism and Christianity, but right. you know, Superman as Christ figure it's been discussed a lot, and of course there there are lots of parallels that one can make that are you know somewhat superficial you know but there's lots that one can do that's actually much deeper in its analysis and you know allowing the interaction to be you know genuinely rich and rewarding and insightful, and so you know I hope that people will not just think of you know the instances where there was a throwaway comment that really distracted from or wasn't a very good one, you know, right, in a sermon right. <laughs> and will uh, seek out if they haven't found already or will come to uh, Theocon expecting to engage with, you know, the really, you know, substantive level of engagement, both with uh, theology, the Bible, religion, and with popular culture. Uh, I think it's interesting as well that, you know, just as you know, Jesus feeds into Superman in certain ways. You know, Superman then sort of feeds into Jesus and colors the way people think about Jesus and imagine who he is. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, as somebody who works on the historical figure of Jesus, you know, the uh, Jesus who seems more like an alien from another world uh, kind of predominates, right? Um, he's a superhero, superhuman strength and knowledge and um, any sense of uh, humanity gets lost as uh, we think of him in those terms. And we draw on popular culture images, whether we're conscious of it or not, right. um, as we think about as we think about God, as we think about uh, gender and diversity, as we think about hope and um, cataclysms that might await us in the future. And so there's so much potential for rich conversation. And so uh, since I think we're towards the end of our time, why don't I say thank you so much, Shana, for being here today on this show, but also thank you for having the vision for Theocon and for uh, making this event happen. And just can't wait to see, see how it goes. I'll encourage 
everyone listening to uh, visit the website, think about attending if they can, but at the very least, just poke around and explore it because there are uh, authors' names there, resources there, other things that will uh, provide resources to anyone interested in this intersection to explore it further immediately and not just on Saturday, September 29th, 2018 from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Virginia Theological Seminary. And you notice I worked in one last plug of the, yeah, <laughs> the details on there. there go. Yeah, there we go. But um, so thank you, Shana, for being here today. And to everyone listening, thank you so much. This has been another episode of the Religion Prof Podcast. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Bye.